0: Welcome to the Kelly and the Encouragers podcast with your host, Kelly Sisson, wife, mother, therapist, and hippie at heart who loves Earl Grey iced tea, deep conversations, and encouraging others. If you need a little encouragement today, you are in the right place. Thank you for joining us.
1: Hey guys, welcome back to the show. I have Katherine Dreyer on today's episode. I am so excited for you to hear from her. She is the owner of Dryer Days Art Studio. But I actually met Catherine about five years ago now as she was my hairdresser. So it's been really great to see her really transformation and her creativity throughout all of it. This episode though, guys, get your Kleenexes ready because I was literally crying (laughs) through hearing her amazing story of recovery, and her ability just to own her truth and her desire to help others through similar things. Not only does she have a heart of gold, but she's extremely gifted and creative in so many ways. And so I want you to be able to hear directly from her how her creativity and her artistic ability has been able to help her through so many hard parts in life. So thankful for Catherine that she was able to be on the show. Hi, Catherine. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Good, good. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Well, thank you for having me on. I'm excited. Absolutely. Well, can you introduce yourself to the listeners?
2: Sure. Well, I'm Catherine Dreyer, and I am... Simply a wife and a stay-at-home mom of two little girls and uh, a retired hairstylist and artistic YouTuber mm-hmm. who's living in long-term sobriety.
1: That's awesome. That's a great summary of you. I think there are a lot more pieces to you. What do you think? <laughs> that, was a, that was a great summary that gives us a good place to start. So do you want to talk a little bit about, can you um, share with me first where you are located? I guess I'm not 100% sure where you moved to.
2: Yeah, I um Well, I've moved twice since Jamestown, actually. Oh, okay. Um after we left Jamestown in 2015, um, we moved to Raleigh, North Carolina, where we lived for about two and a half years. And then just a year and a half ago, we moved up to a suburb of Cincinnati, Ohio. Oh, so that's where okay. I am now.
1: Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Do you like the new location?
2: Yeah, we like okay. it a lot. Yeah, it's closer to family. And we've oh, never nice. lived
1: in this area of Ohio before, and we're really enjoying it. Good. I'm glad to hear that. So just a little bit of background information for everyone that's listening. Um, After connecting with you, well, as I was connecting with you, I was like, oh, you totally used to be my hairstylist (laughs) before you moved there. And so that was kind of fun to have that, you know, full circle moment there. So it's Mm -hmm. neat to be able to interview and talk with you Mm-hmm. So can you tell us a little bit more about your creativity, you know, how you really discovered that you had this artistic ability? Is that something you've always known?
2: Um, well, both of my parents were very, still are very gifted artists in their own right. And so growing up, um, I would do a lot of drawing, just mm-hmm. creative stuff, crafting, um, I was kind of headed more in like a writing direction when I was younger. Oh, okay. And so even um, majored in like journalism and stuff in college um, sort of got away from the art, uh-huh. if you will. And then, um, you know, after college became a hairstylist, which I think is a very creative um, yes. job and you have to kind of have that um, ability, especially with, I think, coloring too, yes. not just with haircutting, but coloring as well. And so when i uh when we moved to north carolina i had just had my second little girl and um had decided to stay home for a while with her mm-hmm. and i was just kind of starting to go a little stir crazy because sure. i was so used to working and being busy with my hands and so that's kind of where i started getting back into um just basic stuff at first like zentangles and uh mandalas just kind of fine line drawing and then it evolved into paint, and then it evolved into what it is now that I'm doing. So,
1: Oh, that's great. That's really awesome. You know, what's so funny is I was thinking this morning as I was getting ready um, about doing hair and how that really is (laughs) such a creative process. And it's almost like trying to blend their vision with your vision and trying to like incorporate it all like that feels really heavy (laughs) it's it's
2: funny because I was actually thinking about this last night I was I was laying in bed I knew we had this interview coming and I was thinking about that creative part of being a hairstylist and I always say you know when the clients come in you do you have to just what do they want you're catering to them you get that client you know one in 20 who's like just do whatever you want you know and that's so fun but that's not the typical client right but now with my artwork, it's really like, I do what I want. Right. You know, I'm able to just, and I do do custom work. People reach out to me all the time and they say, you know, this is kind of the color combination I'd like or whatever. And really that gives me a lot of inspiration. A lot of times they will come at me with colors or an idea that I've never thought of before. Uh-huh. Um, This woman in particular, she's bought like five pieces from me and she said, I really want something peach and coral. Oh, and I have just never—I'm not a big orange person—and uh-huh. I have just never even thought about that. And ever since she said that, I've made like five coral pieces oh my gosh, now. I love so, that. Yeah. so yeah, it's it's definitely kind of a different thing. But you're right on the money with that. It is sort of like reigning in the creativity to sort of cater to the clients right. with the hairstyling. Right. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I have to share too that I actually um, ran into a mutual friend, Marnie, who was on the podcast. Um, if anyone wants to listen to episode seven, and I was mm-hmm. talking with her about interviewing. you. And she had mentioned about how like you basically are good at. (laughs) I'm just gonna say you're good at everything. Like she didn't (sighs) even realize that you had like the ability to sing and you like competitively (laughs) sung and like. So I feel like your creativity is really like broad. Would you agree with that?
2: Um. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what the phrase is where it's kind of like I can do a little bit of everything. Maybe not like a professional at any of them though. I mean the hairstyling definitely. I did that for a long time Mm -hmm. and I you know, was certified in that and licensed. But um yeah, I mean, I think there's so many different I was just talking to a friend about there's so many different seasons of life, you uh-huh. know, and with each of them I feel like I've kind of moved into this different uh creative mode. Oh, and cool. I know even just recently with my artwork, I was doing a lot of um acrylic fluid painting uh-huh. and that evolved into this resin work. And I have a Facebook group kind of for my um YouTube following to come and share their stuff and I think I've maybe upset some of them because they really like to do the acrylic pouring, which I still do, but I've really moved into the resin work and it's, I have to honor that though. Right. You know, I think, um, we do evolve as artists and we move into other things and we maybe lose inspiration in one thing and really gain it in another area. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, in high school, yeah, I sang, I sang a little bit in college too. And it, she and I were at Manom in Minnesota and they were doing, karaoke uh-huh. <laughs> and, she, and she's like oh I dare you to get up there I said oh well you know I used to sing competitively right and she just stopped in her tracks and was like <laughs> what like what? Oh my I mean we're talking 15 years ago you know it's right. not like I am currently doing that but
1: you know I really funny. think skills like that I mean yes sometimes we need to fine-tune them but I don't think they ever really leave us do you
2: um I don't know I think there's always kind of something in there and um I sing a lot with my girls oh, in the car. Nice. Um, I really try to encourage that because um, I do think music and artwork, it's just such a healthy, creative outlet. Yes. Um, and so I do agree. I mean, I do. I'm still very vocal within my car yes. <laughs> and within my house. Absolutely. Even though I'm not necessarily in like a choir or anything like that.
1: Right, right. I would definitely like to get into that healing aspect of art. Um, but first, mm-hmm. I'm wondering if you can share, like, what is your particular favorite area of art? So whatever that may mean to you.
2: Yeah, so right now, definitely, it's the resin uh-huh. art that I'm doing. Um They're resin geodes. So if you're familiar with crystals Mm -hmm. or geodes, you know, when you cut them in half, it's kind of this beautiful, sparkly, they're sort of like ribbons and this shape going on inside. And so, um, what I do is I take boards of wood and I just lay down these stones and glass and glitter. And I even have like some Swarovski crystals that Mm -hmm. I'll lay in there. Um, I try to use real stones when I can since I'm making a, a geode. You know, I do try to incorporate actual semi precious stones where I can. Um, and then I just pick colors that I'm going with and I'll lay them in. And, um, I do that with a resin. I try to use, um, a more professional high grade resin because resin can yellow oh, over time. Awesome. And so, um, I do try to use, you know, the better stuff. And I think kind of integrating the hairstylist thing here too. It's like that profession has taught me so much mm-hmm. the quality of professional products, Oh, shit. you know, as compared to just like skimming by and, you know, maybe just going to the drugstore right. and buying something, right. and so I really carried that over into my artwork. And um, so I do take pride in the products that I'm buying. And so with that resin, um, it's just beautiful how it, it cures over like three days, and you have this rock hard, glassy, shiny finish. And it's tricky, you know. That was I was afraid. I really was afraid to try to attempt resin because oh, there's really? it's fickle. Yeah, uh-huh. I mean you have to make sure you're mixing it properly and you need a respirator and a ventilated area and a heat gun and just all these oh different <laughs> things. Yeah. And it, you know, there are certain times when I have to like take tape off of certain areas and I'll literally, I have like an alarm on my phone of when I have to kind of do all these steps. Uh-huh. And um, so there's a lot of work that goes into them and it was very intimidating, but now I'm just hooked. It's yeah. like, I just love it so much. And yeah, so that that is definitely my passion right now is the resin geodes. Sure. Mm-hmm.
1: Did it take you a little bit to get the hang of it, or was it pretty pretty quickly you were able to kind of pick up on, you know, the <sighs> routine of it?
2: Um, I well, I started playing with the resin probably in 2016, but again, I really was not it was it wasn't going well. <laughs> sure. sure. <laughs> and that was more like operator error. I wasn't following the manufacturer's directions maybe totally correctly. Um you know, it's very sticky. It was getting all over the place. Um, so it it has taken me a little while and um, a lot of trial and error. Mm-hmm. But you know, because I am in the YouTube community, I would also um, you know look up other artists right. who are doing this and get a lot of tips and advice from them too. Um, so that has been integral in this. Um, the resin that I use is actually a company who specializes in making um, resin countertops. Oh, okay. so. Art isn't even really their, um, I guess audience or clientele that they're really catering to, but they've had all these artists who (laughs) have come in and said, wow, this resin is like top of the line. This is really good. And, uh, so, yeah, they actually have a lot of videos on their YouTube too, just about making these countertops and how you can create like marbling effect.
1: Oh, neat. And all that
2: with the resin. So, I've kind of picked up some from them, you know, so just kind of all over picking up these tips and tricks. Right. right.
1: I love so many things that you said. I think it's great when we're able to um, admit that things at the beginning weren't nearly as easy because I think a lot of times we um, compare. Like our beginning mm-hmm. to somebody's middle, you know? And so being mm-hmm. able just to say, like, it wasn't always fantastic. I mean, even like with me in the podcast, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, there have mm-hmm. been times that I've w- recorded things just myself, like multiple times to get it what I would consider like a, a good quality. Um, and so mm-hmm. I think being able to say, like, it's not always an easy process and take some practice and some ability to reach out to other people who mm-hmm. maybe do have some of that knowledge that we can gain from them, I think is fantastic mm-hmm, so would you mind if we um switch a little bit and talk sure. about you know the healing aspect of art for you?
2: yeah, definitely. um well, I am in recovery mm-hmm. um from alcohol use, and the um art I have been saying for years you know is probably two thousand and fifteen when I really started getting into the drawing and the painting, and it really is like a therapy for mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. um I can just sit down and start working on something and it'll feel like 20 minutes and three hours have gone by. Right. And I think that's when you kind of know you're in the zone, mm-hmm. you know, you're kind of in your creative place or, you know, maybe that's for people going to the gym or, you know, going for walks or something. I think everybody's kind of different, but for me, that is just sort of my, almost like a meditative uh-huh. State
0: sure
2: yeah um and I've even had people before ask me how I made like a certain piece and this was before I was recording everything and I would just say like I don't know. Uh, right. <laughs> you know right you know I really I was sitting there I thought it had only been like a half an hour it had been a couple of hours and that happened right. you know and I think that's really when you kind of know you're in your your space there and you know whether or not it even turns out that great mm-hmm. um it's a time to quiet your mind. Right. And focus on what you're doing to be present. Yes. It has really taught me to be present, especially when I was just kind of telling you there's all these steps kind of that have to go into this. Right. Um, Really being able to walk away from a project and in a couple hours I have to come back and do something else and putting myself back there with the piece. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard an artist say recently, you know, you have to show up for your artwork, uh-huh. you know, Honor your artwork. And so for me, that's being present when I'm working on my art. It's like the same thing when I'm with my kids, right. you know, I want to focus on them, give my, them my attention. And because I feel so passionately about my art, and it's so important to me, I'm showing up right. for it, you know, because oh, it's given me so much,
1: right. really. Oh. I love that so much. I love so many things that you said. I'm like, where should we go from here? It was great. Um, so can you tell us uh before we get too much into that, I'd like to talk about um, you know, how you're able to be present, but would you feel comfortable sharing about your recovery journey?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, do you want me to kind of start from when I started drinking or <laughs> sure. I mean, what
1: wherever you're comfortable at starting. So um,
2: okay, well, basically, um, I had like a pretty normal childhood. I grew up in New Jersey. That's where most of my extended family is from. And when I was young, we had moved to Ohio for just a couple years when I was like in elementary school. Mm. And um we moved back to New Jersey, so we're back there now and I'm heading into high school and you know that's a hard time yes, for a lot yes. of teens and um but I had this like really solid group of friends. I was Running cross country. So I had like a tight group of girls there, cross country team. And, um, I was in the orchestra. I played the violin. So I just was, you, you know, active. Too. Yeah. Oh well, <laughs> no. Okay. That's been an even longer time. So okay. <laughs> I. <laughs> no, I love that. Yeah. So like overachiever maybe <laughs> would be. Sure. And, um, but you know, I was headed down a good path. You know, I had a, you know, a solid family, solid friends was doing well in school. Right. And then just kind of out of nowhere, my parents like, well, we're moving back to Ohio. Okay, and um I was like, I mean, devastated would maybe be an understatement. Oh, um, sure. It was really hard. And we were waiting to move for this till the summer after my freshman year. And I remember my guidance counselor called me in and asked how I was doing with it all. Uh-huh. And I said, well, not well, you know, and he said that like the top three most traumatic things that can happen to a teenager are number one, the death of a parent, number two, the death of a sibling, and number three, moving out of state.
1: Oh, goodness.
2: And I was like, well, can you tell my parents that? (laughs) (laughs) And I just went kicking and screaming. I mean, it was a really hard time. And so when we got to Ohio, we actually moved back to the same town we had lived before. Mm -hmm. So I even still knew a couple people. I was familiar with the town. Um, I tried to join up with the cross country team, did not feel welcome. And I oh quit. Goodness. Um, I didn't keep up with the violin. I did, however, join choir. So oh. that's where that kind of yeah. came in. But, um, I just really had a chip on my shoulder mm-hmm. and I wanted to seem tough cause I felt tough. I felt hardened from mm-hmm. this experience. And, um, with that happening, I was very mad at my parents. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted this sort of like punishment mentality, sure. you know, and so started dating, you know, guys with fast cars and hanging out with the wrong crowd and started drinking when I was like 15. Mm-hmm. Um, it just kind of progressively got heavier and heavier into college. And, um, you know, I told myself in college, you know, I'll quit when I graduate, uh-huh. and it's the people that keep drinking after college that are alcoholics. And the reason I was kind of already thinking this is because I had family members who um, had gone through the program of AA. Okay, sure. So I kind of knew the signs like I knew about blacking out. Mm-hmm. I knew, you know, all the warning signs and I knew I was having them. You know, I knew I was drinking excessively, um, but that was my excuse. I'll 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 be done when I graduate. Sure. And uh, graduated kept on drinking Mm -hmm. um and then I enrolled in hair school Mm -hmm. cosmetology school and I was older because I had already gone to college and a lot of them were like really young you know really young and I was like 23 or 24 and I'm talking they're 18 you know right out of high school and um but there were some around 21 22 and we would go out drinking and um you know, you get a lot of these, like, eccentric people together. Sure. <laughs> it's just sort of, like, crazy, crazy times. Yeah. And, um yeah, it was bad. It was kind of a dark time in my life. Yes. And then um when I finished cosmetology school, I got a, you know, my first job in a salon. And I just was kind of a mess. I mean, and my bosses were two women that owned that salon. And they were just wonderful. And um I just feel like I really... Did not give them all that I could have because I had so much going on Mm -hmm. behind the scenes. I mean, I think if, you know, we like to think that we're hiding it well. I think people probably knew I was drinking. Mm -hmm. I don't think they knew to the degree that I was drinking. Um, And then Mike, my now husband, uh, we had met at Bowling Green. We kind of reconnected on Facebook at this time. And he said, oh, well, I'm living out in Jamestown, North Dakota. You know, you should come visit me. Uh And, uh, I said, Oh God, well, what's out there? I don't know, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> but you know, I was single and I was kind of on this kick of traveling a lot. Uh-huh. And I thought, well, why else would I ever go out there? Sure. You know, I'll right. come out and booked a flight out there. You know, three weeks later I was there and which kind of started this romance for he and I. Right. And within nine months I was moving there. Okay. And, um, but my troubles followed. They followed me. I was still drinking, Um, My drinking led to just so many fights with he and I, so many problems. And I ended up coming back actually to Ohio for about a month. I didn't think I could hang in Jamestown. I just Uh didn't, you know, it's a, I got to say it's,
1: I don't know if you're from North Dakota. No, I'm actually from Illinois. So.
2: Okay. And you know, I have such a respect and a love for North Dakota now. Mm -hmm. I really, really do. And I tell Mike all the time, I would move back there in a heartbeat Uh and But it is different. Mm -hmm. You know, when I was born and raised in New Jersey, lived in Columbus, Ohio, which is a major city, you know, coming to the rural. I mean, we lived out in the country, too. We were Mm -hmm. like five miles outside of town on a gravel road. Right. I didn't know what I was doing. Mm -hmm. I I had no idea. And then couple that with drinking. Right. All the time. Um, And so, yeah, I, I left for a little while and I came back. And that was a hard choice to come back. I had family saying, you know, don't go back. Uh-huh. North Dakota's not you, you know. And and my husband, Mike, was really good about, like, letting me make up my own mind.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, I even told him, why aren't you begging me to come back? <laughs> right. And he said, well, I want you to make your own choice. Like, I want you here. I right. do. But I don't want you to come back because I'm begging you to, you know. Right. And um, so I came back. And within, like, a week, I was just drunk all over the place again and I woke up one morning so hungover at our house and I had been at a girlfriends the night before drinking and so I was like how did I, where's my truck how did I get here you know and he's like you don't remember and I said no I mean and that was typical uh-huh. you know right and he said something like well it's just a good thing you hit like a girl and I said I hit you he said, yeah, a couple of times, you know, and that, I mean, that I had never done anything like that before. Right. I mean, I had been, I had gotten several underages. I had been thrown in the drunk tank. You know, I had legal things I had dealt with. i had never hit anyone. Right. And now here I've moved all the way back here for the second time. And within a week, I'm so drunk. I, you know, hit him. Oh, goodness. Yeah. And so I just said, I like, this is it. I can't stand myself anymore. Mm-hmm. I cannot stand myself. I am the reason for all of my problems. Oh. And, um, I called a family member who had been through AA and they just encouraged me to start finding some meetings. And it took me about three weeks, uh, to actually do it. But I did. And, um, that started my, my journey into recovery was getting into the 12 step program and, um, and really working it. Right.
1: <clears throat> so, can you tell me how long ago that was?
2: Uh, when I very first went in, um, oh, let me think. It had to have been, I think it was about 2011. Okay. Sure. Um, I had a couple of slips though. I, I relapsed like three times. And after that third time, that was January 29th of 2012. So coming up here in on the 29th, I will have seven years of oh sobriety.
1: My gosh, that's awesome.
2: Yeah, that's seven's so my lucky good. number. So, yeah,
1: no, that's <laughs> so great. Thank you so much for sharing so open and honestly. I mean, you can hear the emotion as, you know, you're going through your story and it's not easy to be vulnerable and to share that but your story is so impactful and I feel like that's really going to help a lot of people. So, and, and I've noticed like on your social media, you're pretty open and honest with um, mm-hmm. others as well. Do you find that that's a, a great way to be able to connect with people? Is that um, like, I mean, I know art is one of your main interests, but mm-hmm. um, it seems like you've been able to really help a lot of people with their sobriety. So I'm curious your thoughts on that.
2: Yeah. You know um, my sobriety on, on Instagram is huge to me. And I started um my recovery account on there uh back in, be- it was like right actually before I think I started in, well, it was about the time I started with the artwork and I decided to start this recovery Instagram and just share my story. And at first I didn't have any pictures of myself. I was trying to remain anonymous on there because I was in AA, uh-huh. you know, and the whole thing is, you know, anonymity or whatever. And you never really know how people are going to react. Sure. And at that point I had... Like three and a half years sobriety. And, um, you know, even though that might sound like a long time, I mean, I say all the time, I was still pretty sick Mm -hmm. for a while. Um, you know, it's not just about putting the plug in the jug. I mean, for me, I had to have a total personality rehaul. Mm -hmm. I had to work the steps. I had to figure out why I reacted to life the way that I did Uh and why my coping mechanism or really anything that I needed I would turn to alcohol for um and so you know I I know I I really gave you a brief synopsis of like what led me there but on my Instagram you know I do kind of share like snippets I'll kind of go back in time or whatever you know and I'm really of this frame of mind now that I don't really like looking back in the past too much I mean I do because I think we need to remember you know where we were so that we don't return but um I don't, I don't get into like these real heavy stories about like a certain party or like, You know, something in particular that happened because, you know, I think if we're in AA or we're thinking about getting to AA, like we know how to drink, Uh (laughs) you know, we, we know. And it's kind of about like, how did this change my life though? What has AA done for me? And, or just recovery in general. I mean, there's so many different recovery programs, you know, there's not just one way. Right. Um, and, uh, so yeah, definitely, if anybody's out there thinking about it, um, and and maybe wants a little bit more into my story, you could definitely find it there mm. my, on my Instagram. And um, I can share later too where that yeah, link absolutely, is.
1: Absolutely. Again, I just have to say thank you so much. That was so beautiful. And I and was in your yeah. tears the whole time you were speaking, to be completely honest, because it's just, <laughs> it's just absolutely beautiful the way that you've been able to transform your life and i mean that's that's you that's made that effort do you know what i mean like yes there's been people along the road i'm sure that were supportive your husband sounds fantastic by the way so i'm glad you came back yeah <laughs> like... yeah he is he is yeah but it's great that you took close steps because truly only you can do that you know mm-hmm. so i just i love that so much so thank you for sharing um, have you always been able? I know you talked a little bit about, like in the beginning, it's you know hard with AA to be quite so open and honest. But what about with like family or even friends?
2: Um, yeah, it um it can be hard sometimes, especially. Um, you know, I have been really fortunate in that my family and my close friends have been very understanding and supportive some people have definitely sort of fallen by the wayside and sure. that's okay because yeah. not everybody's going to get it and everybody has their own journey. Right. And for me, I needed to stop, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but I, I know I have, um, friends or even other family members that I see really struggle because you know, their family really doesn't get it. And they're still, um, just not maybe respectful sure. is the right word. Um, not realizing that posting pictures of their, you know, evening cocktail on their Facebook when, you know, their child is in rehab maybe isn't right. You know, making their child feel very good. I mean, mm-hmm. and and I don't want to like tell somebody how they should be acting. You know, again, like that's their life, that's their path, but for for my experience, you know, my family has been 100% supportive. I think you know, they were there in the trenches. Mm-hmm. They knew how bad it was. And so they were just so happy I was stopping, you know, and mm-hmm. trying to get better. Um, you know, I've had friends that I have been friends with since high school. Um, my friend Christy is a big one who, you know, she uh we went through a lot together and she is just so supportive. She's so respectful, you know, when she's with me. And um, you know, it's really not a big deal for me now if I go out with friends and uh, they're ordering a glass of wine or if my husband wants to get beer, you know, with his dinner, which is very rare, but that's not a big deal to me mm-hmm. anymore. You know, for me, it's just a total like lifestyle change. Right. It's just something I don't do. I just don't drink. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I have been very fortunate. I have to say in that. Um, but you know, like I said, we did and my husband too. I mean, he lost a couple of friends. You know, and I really have to give him credit because he really stood by me. I mean, one thing I do want to mention to say mm-hmm. um, when you kind of mentioned him before is that morning when I woke up and he was kind of telling me the, you know, <laughs> what had happened the night before. Um, he went off to work mm-hmm. and I called this family member and told him I need to stop. Like, what do I do? I don't know what to do, you know, and I actually called Mike at work and I just said, listen, I, I have to stop. Like I have decided and here I was afraid that in telling him this, he would be like, well, then we have to end this. Cause how are we not going to, you know, how am I supposed to be with someone, you know, who's right. not drinking, you know, I was so afraid he was going to end things. And the first thing out of his mouth was what can I do to help? Oh. and that's when I just knew like
1: you are going to be the father of my children oh yeah for for sure no (laughs) doubt at that point that is just beautiful and I'm sure that that in some ways did you feel like that really um, lifted a lot of weight off your shoulders just talking to him and hearing that he was just so supportive and like how can I help in this process
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. And and that's just another thing of just how fortunate I have been, because I know there are a lot of people that, you know, their even their spouses are just like, well, OK, you know, right. and so I just feel very blessed and I'm so grateful mm-hmm. to him and to all my family and friends that have been there and, and helped me through this. So
1: right, absolutely. Do you have any thoughts of what you would say for somebody who maybe doesn't have that support? Like any recommendations? Of I know we talked a little bit about AA earlier, but mm-hmm. um, you know, any other ways they can get connected with people that um, can be supportive for them?
2: You know, there are so many um, online recovery things now. I, I couldn't name any for you off the top sure. of my head, but there are. If you know they're apprehensive about maybe going to AA, they don't know if that's what they want to do. Um, I will say, I f- I firmly believe someone early in sobriety and recovery probably should be in sort of a group or sure. or some kind of community because in that beginning we just feel so alone mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. and going and being around other people who have been through it who are going through it at the same time i think that's crucial um, I have so many people on Instagram that will message me that have, you know, one, two, three days sobriety. Oh, uh-huh. And, you know, they're reading my stories or any number. There's so many recovery accounts, you know, on Instagram. Right. It's just it's such a good community on there. Um, and I have since actually started a Facebook group called Moms Who Don't Drink.
1: Oh, I love because.
2: That. I wanted something kind of, I just started it like a month ago. Uh-huh. I just wanted something like specifically for moms because I think there is something about this like mom culture uh-huh. with drinking. And I think a lot goes on undercover. And so even just in that group, I, I cannot, I thought this, I thought like a lot of old timers and stuff were going to join this group. And no, it's uh-huh. women that are like, today is my first day, yep. you know, and my kids are running around screaming I have a pounding headache, like, what do I do? Right, you know, and to see the outpouring from the other women in that group, I mean, it really oh. touches me. Absolutely. And so I think just find like that community, mm-hmm. you know, whether you're a mom, or or whatever, you're, you know, 19, not even of the legal drinking age, because there are plenty of people I've met in AA that got sober at like 18, 19 years old, right? You know, so just finding that because I think that is so important so that you know you're not alone in this because you're not yep. – I mean,
1: you're absolutely not alone. Yeah. No, I'm so glad that you shared that. Thank you. One thing about the Instagram too that um I'm kind of – I wouldn't say like new, new, but newer to Instagram. And what I like is their feature where you can ha- like do a hashtag – and yeah. then, you know, like hashtag recovery or whatever you want to put. And then you can search and it pops up like different things from different people. Right. And I mm-hmm. have found a lot of people that um I like to follow, um, you know, searching various hashtags. I'm like, oh, well, that, that seems really interesting. And that's a good way, just an easy way to kind of um lump it all together or most of it oh, together, yeah. you know. So mm-hmm. yes. that's an easy way to to find that. But I love that you're starting that that group and able to provide some additional support for sure.
0: So, can yeah, you talk definitely. a
1: little bit about you know how your creativity has helped you through this process? I know we went through you know your art journey, but I'm wondering if you can kind of incorporate for us where some of that kind of came into play for you?
2: Well, I think um, you know, kind of being a creative person, I think my brain is like always going. Uh-huh. And I think that is sort of why I drank so much mm-hmm. to kind of tame that down. And so that's why it's so important for me to have these outlets. And, um, you know, the, and I'm a person of extremes. I Uh I think a lot of people in recovery might say that I'm very black and white. So like when I'm doing something, I am like all in. And so that is sort of how the, even the YouTube channel developed because, you know, it's not enough now that I'm making this artwork. Now I have to, (laughs) you know, make this and this and this and this. But, um, I think definitely, for me, I have to kind of be staying busy. Uh I have to, and it has to be, you know, positive things. And I really have to watch with the moderation, like, all right, you know, I've been working on this art for a couple hours, you know, I need to make sure I'm, you know, doing the things around the house I need to do, or, Uh you know, definitely it's a moderation thing. Um, I don't know if that really answered your question. Yeah, but. no,
1: I think that it did, and I'm glad that you mentioned that about moderation. Um, I myself am mm-hmm. actually very much like I'm like I'm all in or I'm not, <laughs> so yeah. I can yeah. identify that in so many mm-hmm. ways. Um, and I was actually talking talking with Marnie about how, um, you know, a lot of times I think that um, people, when they are creative, have a really great imaginations and are really able to just see such like big pictures that it becomes really overwhelming at times. Yeah. Um, and, mm-hmm. and I wonder if that's, this is not scientific by any means, but I wonder if that's a portion not just for addiction, but just, you know, anxiety, depression in general. Because yes. um, mm-hmm. there's just so much going on through your mind when you're able to be creative like that, you know?
2: Well, and I think that, you know, I kind of talked about this earlier, but that's where kind of that being present Mm -hmm. comes in and really just focusing on what I'm doing. Like, yes, sometimes I'll have music or podcasts or like an audio book kind of playing in the background, but I'm really kind of into what I'm doing and instead of being a million different places. Mm -hmm. So even though I'm like creating and I'm doing something and it maybe looks like I'm really busy. Uh (laughs) I'm actually just kind of pacing myself and like in that meditative, calming state for me. Yes. And I think everybody kind of has their own thing
1: with yeah, that. But. Absolutely. Can you talk a little bit about how you remind yourself to be present? Is there ever times when you're, you're like you try to be, but you're just really not a hundred percent connected with what's mm-hmm. going on?
2: Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, as a mom and a stay at home mom, you know, there's a lot of nights I don't get a lot of sleep mm-hmm. and now, you know, I've, got one running around and I've got to do this. And it's like, I'm just very tired <laughs> and I want to maybe be doing this or I want to be laying down and I'm a little bit more irritable. Sure. And I think, um, there's a saying that I've heard in the rooms and it's, you know, be where your hands are mm-hmm. and just, oh, you, this that. is yeah. Like I, mm-hmm. where am I right now? This is where I am. Um, I've just started doing the uh, Course in Miracles daily lessons uh-huh. for the year. And I know I've got Marnie doing it and my sister and mom are doing it with me too. And so much of the course is just talking about the present and how the past is like a it's a dream. It doesn't exist anymore. And so many people live there and so many people base their future right. on their past experience because their past is what they feel like they know. Right. right. Yep. So they're kind of basing future experiences off of what has happened to them in the past. When all there is is right now. Right. So my first sponsor told me all the time, like, don't borrow trouble. You know, you're worrying about stuff that hasn't even happened. Oh. And you know, you're stressing this. And you're stressing that. So be where your hands are. That I've posted that a couple of times on my Instagram, and it's just a good reminder of like, where am I right now? Yes. You know, what's happening right now, and. It's 10 a.m. in the morning and I've got one kid on the bus and one is here with me and she wants me to play with her, you know, so right. I'm not going to like worry about something else that's going on or, you know, I'm just going to be right here right now.
1: Right. Oh, my goodness. I love that. Can you say one more time um, what it is that you're doing? What What did you I didn't catch the name of that.
2: Oh, it's um, A Course in Miracles. Oh, OK.
1: Mm-hmm. A Course in Miracles, just in case anyone wants to check that out, because it sounds really great. Um, And I love that Don't Borrow um, Troubles. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like that as well, because I think a lot of times we do. We really yeah. just, mm-hmm. you know, lo- and anticipation I often think is just um, most of the time it's wasted energy, truly. Oh, yeah. It yes. never ends up how we think it is, right? I mean, it's never going to be exactly how we imagine. And so that can be definitely challenging.
2: Well, that's a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know I've had I've at the end of the day, like if I had a bad day or something happened and I'm just really wound up, I'm exhausted. Yes, You know, and it's, I didn't even do anything. I just was all in a tizzy Mm -hmm. about, and then the next day it'll totally fix itself. It's like, I just wasted a whole day, you know? So that has definitely been something huge in my recovery. And that's what I I say this to a lot on my Instagram is there's a difference between sobriety and recovery. And I kind of said that earlier. It's not just about putting the plug in the jug and putting the bottle down. You know, I really needed an overhaul because like you said earlier too, I had a lot of anxiety and depression Mm -hmm. and I have a very active mind and I would use the alcohol to kind of numb that. Well, now you take the alcohol away. What do you do? How do you cope? And so a 12 step program has really helped me give me the tools Mm -hmm. to figure out how to live life, Mm -hmm. you know, and having the community there on Instagram and the fellowship. And yeah, that has been crucial because I do think a lot of people Mm self-medicate in that way.
1: You know, I oh. I used to work with an addiction counselor, and she was super fantastic, and she said that she believes that everybody has an addiction. It's mm-hmm. just different addictions, mm-hmm. you know? So, like, for some people, it may be alcohol, it may be drugs, it may be food, it may be video games, technology, whatever it is, but mm-hmm. everybody has some type of way that they cope and numb themselves. Right. And when you think about it like that, I think it puts it in, like, a different uh, mind frame for people when they're trying to understand recovery and understand, you know, um, sobriety and... Um, usage. I think that when you think about it like that, that we all can be affected by that. And we all very likely are. And even if someone's not willing to say that they're addicted to something, it's probably there. <laughs> so. Right.
2: Well, I say all the time, I think everyone could benefit from working the 12 steps. Because
1: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I just teach you how
2: to uh, how to be a good person, how right. to look at your own motives, and why are you acting this way? And one of them is like, where do I need to make amends? Right. Did I hurt someone today? I mean, I think... The world would be a better place if we were looking at our own actions. Why am I doing this? Right. You know, um, do I need to apologize for somebody to somebody for what I did today? You know,
1: I think there's so much respect that comes with just owning our shit, too. You know, like if if you do um, treat someone poorly or if we make a decision that we don't love, being able just to like say it, I think Mm -hmm. takes the power away from it. Yes. and can be extremely impactful in our lives hmm You know, I'm wondering if we can talk a little bit about your YouTube channel because those sure. videos are so fun to watch, by the way. <laughs> they, it's just, I'm, glad. You know, I'm glad someone enjoys them. No, no. It's just so <laughs> neat to be able to see it like come together, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, I'm just curious, like when you're, this is the thing I always think, like when you're doing this, do you know what color you're going to put where and what you're going to do where? Or are you just like going with like whatever feels right in the moment?
2: Um, it's definitely become more of a thought out process as I have uh, developed. Uh-huh. I used to just kind of do like, Ooh, I'm just going to willy nilly, uh-huh. um, you know, but again, because I'm doing this sort of showing up and honoring my art and wanting to kind of, um, let it kind of flow out of me sort of thing and not just be willy nilly, right. take it a little more seriously. Um, I do, I do plan things out yeah. a little bit more now um beforehand and that helps I think the artwork turn out a little
1: bit better Uh as well yeah
2: um you know the art with the video recording what had initially what had happened was I was doing this acrylic pouring and that is a very tricky art form but it's like very popular right now it's very Uh trendy Uh and um there's so many things that you kind of have to get right there's i have like my own pouring medium recipe that i've created there's there's different ones out there and i kind of developed that again over time and your water ratios your silicone ratios and so what i started doing was recording myself so i would remember what i'm doing
1: right oh yeah
2: and then i was like well i watch all these other youtubers and i'm recording myself anyway and now i feel like i've kind of maybe got this down a little bit so maybe I'll start my my own YouTube channel and it really is kind of like neat and fulfilling for me to go back and watch the process
1: yeah
2: you know it it, and and when you're asking like creativity in other ways like I and you can probably vouch for this too just with your podcast editing it's it's a very creative thing to be editing Mm -hmm. the videos Mm -hmm. yep and you know adding music and putting it all together so that's kind of a creative outlet for me as well I love I do love
1: making the videos a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's great. You know, I was thinking about that as well before our conversation, just the podcast. And because if you asked me like probably like four or five years ago, if I was creative, I would say no. I really would Mm -hmm. have. (laughs) But now that I have started looking at my life, I realize that um, there are so many different ways that I'm creative. And maybe it doesn't necessarily – tend to be something that's really like, like, it's not like, you know, it's not artwork. It's not necessarily like singing or writing music, but even Mm -hmm. just like my thought process and like ability to problem solve and the podcast Mm -hmm. and even working with clients, I feel like is a really creative process as well. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think that there's probably a little bit of creativity in all of us. It's just a matter of like acknowledging it and mastering it.
2: I agree. I had a lot of people, clients when I was doing hair and I was sort of making these like hair pieces. They they were not very good initially, but I was making them because, you know, just something I was trying at the time. And people would say like, oh, you're so creative. And it kind of like shocked me because I never felt that way about myself. I never looked at it that way. And then they would follow it up with, I'm not creative at all. And I just thought... Yeah, you are like they just sounded wrong. I, yes. I feel like everybody is and I feel like it's just a matter of finding right. what it is for you. I mean, mine's changing all the time. Like I said, I think I've maybe upset some people because you know my outlet has sort of changed you know and so I think it's just a matter of finding it
1: I would agree but I think it's great that you're not letting that hold you back because we I mean at the end of the day we have to be true to our we don't have to be but it's helpful to be true to ourselves and be true to what we need in that moment and if that doesn't Mm -hmm. fit for someone else that's okay they certainly I mean we all have choices right so we can decide to move on to someone that really uh, aligns more with what we're wanting in that moment but to kind of Stifle yourself just to meet somebody else's requirements would just be exhausting and not beneficial Mm. at all. I would think that would take like creativity away, wouldn't you think? It would, yeah. Yeah. And
2: I think it would really, you know, talking about like zapping that energy and just bringing you down, I think it would be a very stressful Mm -hmm. situation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, yeah, it is kind of like ripping the band aid off at first and it stings a little bit, but I think it's better than stifling yourself and sacrificing yourself. Right. Absolutely.
1: So is there anything that you really wish that that we haven't discussed already that other people really knew or ways that they would be able to show up for people who are dealing with addiction and recovery.
2: Um I think you know just being there for them there is um and 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 being interested. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, genuinely showing emotion and caring for that person and what they're going through. Uh, there's a new podcast that just started too called recover everything and and they don't have a ton of episodes. They're pretty new, but, um, from what I understand, one of the hosts is someone who has a, someone close to them that's going through this Mm -hmm. and he kind of had no idea about it. So he wanted to start a podcast to sort of find out more. I I hope that's correct. And I'm not like totally out of line here with podcast. I'm pretty sure that's what it is, but I just thought, wow, what a way to sort of you know, show up for that person. Not that everyone needs to go create a podcast or anything, but you know, like one thing that, um, my husband did was he went to Al-Anon a couple times. Uh He came to open AA meetings, um, you know, be respectful around them because in that early sobriety, it was really hard for me to be around other people drinking. Mm -hmm. It was, Mm -hmm. it's not anymore. Necessarily, but it really was in the beginning. So I think just being respectful of that and, and just showing interest in them and, and wow, you know, what are you okay? You know, like my husband, what can I do to help? I mean, that was like the perfect thing for me right at that moment. And it just blew me away because I was totally expecting something else. (laughs) And you know, just really being there and supportive. And you know, one thing I always say too is, that, um, for people who maybe are out there struggling, is that there's absolutely nothing to be ashamed of mm-hmm. if you think you're struggling with this, and I think that's why you're seeing so many people showing up now on Instagram and coming out not being anonymous because I feel like staying quiet is hurting people, yes, you know i have I have friends who have died from this,
1: right, and
2: I have regretted maybe not reaching out to them or making it more um, known that mm-hmm. I was in recovery in case maybe they wanted help or had questions or, you know what I mean? Right. And so, I, and I just read something on Instagram the other day that said recovery is a choice. Addiction isn't. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I just wish people would kind of realize that then when someone is an addict, <sighs> They're in a very dark place, right. you know, and I don't think anyone really wants to be there. Right. But they don't know how to get out of it, Absolutely. you know. So
1: I often will, you know, if clients are talking about things that they maybe have some shame, you know, surrounding it, I will say. But did yeah. you raise your hand and say, I want this? No. Right. <laughs> like nobody right. is going to sign up for that. Nobody yeah. is. Whether it's addiction or abuse or whatever that may be, I mean, mm-hmm. we don't raise our hand and say, yep, I want to take that. I want to deal with that in our lives. Unfortunately, sometimes it may just be the hand that we're dealt and yeah. we get to determine how we work through that, really. Yes. Um, but I'm, I'm glad that you, that you brought that up. I think that would be mm-hmm. really helpful for people. So I'm wondering as we wrap this up, I have a few mm-hmm. questions I ask everyone. So are you sure. okay if I ask you those? Yeah. All right. So are you familiar with Brene Brown? I'm not. Okay. So she is She's fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. Everyone who listens to the podcast is probably like, okay, enough about her, but she is so great. <laughs> um, so she's a social worker and she um, really got her start with researching shame and vulnerability, um, which is okay. how I first got interested in her. But she has a book that's called Braving the Wilderness. And so, an essential summary of it is that it talks about like stepping out into the wilderness alone and scared um, and just not really knowing where you're going. But along the way, you kind of find your journey and maybe even find other people in the wilderness. And so, mm-hmm. I'm wondering if you can identify a time in your life where you felt like you were stepping out into that wilderness.
2: Um, well, I think definitely for sure, you know, stepping into the recovery process. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, it, you can feel totally alone even in a room full of people who are saying like I've been there, who are right there with you. It can just feel so isolating and um because, you know, in a lot of instances, people have to change their entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, Some people have to change where they work. Yes. Um, things like that. And so I think for me, in Braving the Wilderness, it was something that was very scary and very daunting. And I had no idea what was going to come. But I just knew that where I was, I couldn't stay uh-huh. anymore. Yes. And um it was either brave this wilderness or die or ruin your life yep. you know and um so I would do it a hundred times again if I had to because this life is so much better I heard this in the rooms once too that I've had the chance to live two lifetimes uh-huh. I prefer the second to the first but not before the first oh, I love so that. I just think um you know, this is a journey. I mean, people right. say this is a journey, and and they mean it. I mean, there it's life. There's ups and downs. You know, just because I stopped drinking doesn't mean I have a perfect life. But oh my right. gosh, it's nearly there. Mm-hmm. And I think because I can have that appreciation and that gratitude, right? That I work for daily, and that's not just something I wake up with and it's there. I wake up and I say I choose joy today. Yes. You know, and it's like in a marriage, like when you're, you get up and you choose your partner, you know, Mm -hmm. I I believe that's an absolute and I'm choosing joy today. So I would say for sure that, yeah, would be
1: the recovery process. Mm -hmm. That makes so much sense. And what I love hearing, um, the reason I ask this question and what I really love hearing from people is, you know, we we have all um, been through various things and I don't like to ever Mm -hmm. compare. So I just always say various things that are challenging for us where we did have Mm -hmm. to step out into that wilderness. But what I love is as we work through that and as we get through it, there has not been one single person that has regretted that. Oh, yeah. And that mm-hmm. is just so amazing to be able to see the the impact that making some really scary steps and really, you know, feeling very alone, but still moving forward to see yes. that change in our life is just amazing. So I really appreciate you sharing that. Mm. And so since the podcast is called Kelly and the Encouragers, I'm just curious, who are your biggest encouragers in life? Well, of
2: course, I've already mentioned him, my wonderful husband, oh, Mike, uh-huh.
1: Um You know,
2: just, I will come at him with some crazy ideas sometimes and he is just right there with me on things. And, you know, even in my artwork, I mean, he cuts my boards and stuff for me. So he is just so supportive of that. Um, and, you know, of course, my parents over the years have always been there for me. Um, my brother and sister are very, very encouraging and supportive. I just love them so much. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, my best friend, Marnie. She, I just love her to death. She is, I am so grateful that I have that woman uh-huh. in my life. Um, yeah. She's kind of there with Mike too, that when I come with these off the walls idea, oh yeah. Okay. yeah, You know, so I like encouraging, that. not, yeah. oh, Catherine, I don't know, you right? know, pump the brakes, but yeah. All right. How are you going to do this? And so she is just wonderful. Um, a couple other people I did just want to mention was um, I have a friend, Aaron, who I met down in Raleigh, North Carolina, and he has been so supportive of my artwork, and he has encouraged me to do things like going to local shops and asking them if they want to feature my art. And I was so afraid oh, to do that. I was God. so afraid, but I, I want to tell Aaron that I did that. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> awesome. And um, it's been going really well and I'm so happy I did it. I want to thank him. Um, there are a couple people who have followed my channel from the beginning and are in my Facebook group for my channel. Um, and that's Maggie, Tammy and Kirk. Uh-huh. They are huge supporters of mine. And I am just so grateful to them because, you know, we all have our days where we just are like, I'm done, I'm done right. doing this. Right. And they will somehow just show, like, they don't even know. And yeah. I'll just get a message from them. I love your latest piece or oh, whatever. And uh-huh. it's just amazing their timing. Um, And I just want to say to anyone who's ever bought a painting uh-huh. um and anyone who's ever given a compliment or a nice word on social media yes. about it, because it really never gets old. I mean, now I'm in my fourth year of selling my artwork and mm-hmm. every time my phone chimes, you know, Oh, somebody bought something. It is like Christmas morning. Uh-huh. I mean, it I is just that. thrilling. And so, um, just, yeah. Anyone who's ever bought a piece, just, I thank you so much. Cause it, it really means the world. I don't know if people realize that like as artists, there's really like kind of a little part of us in that work, uh-huh. you know? Yes. And, um, I just shipped out one the other day, this big blue one. I call it my opus, and this lovely woman uh, just received it. And it is, it's like I say, a little goodbye. Oh my I-
1: goodness! <laughs> oh my goodness! And they send it off, so well, just how-
2: thank you to them.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And how cool is that, though? Truly, that um, you know that little piece of you is able to be able to go out mm-hmm. there, really, and bless other people's lives and. You know, just I mean, even be able just to brighten someone's life, because truly I know, you know, for my office, I mean, I spend a lot of time here and Mm -hmm. um, I just like to look at pretty things. And so I have pretty things Mm -hmm. hung up and that just makes you feel good to be able to be surrounded by beautiful pieces of art or, you know, I have pictures from some kiddos that I work with or whatever it may be. It just feels good to have that piece um, there. So I love that perspective for sure.
2: And I think sometimes when I sit back and think about it, like I have sold, I have sent pieces to Germany. Oh my gosh. I send pieces all the time to Canada. I was making, um, t-shirts at one point and I sent some to Sweden. And I think about that. Like sometimes I really do sit back and I think there is no way that I would be able to do any of this if I was still drinking. Mm. Like all of this is due to my sobriety and recovery. And when I think about that cuz you know I think sometimes we can feel so small. Right. You know, and when I sit back and really think like there my a piece of my artwork is in Germany
1: right now right.
2: like living there, you know, and it's just amazing and it blows my mind and really it really just fills me with gratitude and humbles me.
1: Yes. So, yeah, no, I love that. I had heard um, or read, I guess I should say, there's an author, Andy Andrews, and I cannot mm-hmm. think for life of me which of his books it is, but um, I have been very, very fascinated with this idea. Um, he takes historical events and he will run through it and he will say, like, you know, why did this occur? Was it because of this? And then he'll say, well, no, it was this person's decision. And then he goes all through their decision. But was mm-hmm. it really that or was was it this person's decision? And then he mm-hmm. runs all through that. And it's kind of neat to see like how mm-hmm. everyone is truly so entwined because yeah. truly making that painting, sending that to Germany, now a family or a person owns that, right? Mm-hmm. And so now that's going to be passed on to somebody at some point, And who right. knows where that could lead? You know what right. I mean? And how cool is mm-hmm. that to know that impact that you could have? Yes. I just think Mm -hmm. that a lot of times when we do feel lonely, I don't think that we realize like how much our choices and Mm -hmm. um, our interactions really matter to the world because they do. I agree. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us, I know we talked a little bit about the YouTube channel, but where can people find it? You know, what's it called? Where can they um, find that information about you?
2: Sure. Well, let me, um, I will mention first my recovery stuff too, in case anybody wants to find that. So I am on Instagram at underscore own self be true underscore.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And then, um, I did just start that group, Moms Who Don't Drink. And so that's, oh, that's not just like for AA people. I mean, it's for anyone. Yeah. Any mothers, I should say, not just anyone, but mothers sure. who are trying to live in sobriety, who are curious about it, etc um, And that so was those on are my, Facebook, right? That's on Facebook. Okay. Yeah. Yep. That's a Facebook group. And it's funny when you start to put in moms who don't drink, if, it's
1: not like exactly spelled correctly, you will get a million groups of moms who do a drink. Oh, I bet. I bet. <laughs> yeah, you know, I was going to, if I can mention this real quick, I was going to mention, I forgot about that. You know, all of those memes, uh, you know, are just like really, like really, re- <laughs> sorry yeah. if anyone likes them, but they're just ridiculous. <laughs> I'm like, okay, like that, that is not, it, one, it's not healthy to promote that, but like, it's just not, it's not funny. And it's yeah. intended to be funny. And it's yeah. like, that really... I mean, I probably sound like a Debbie Downer here, but that just really impacts people's life a lot. And I can get on board with a lot of things being funny. I love comedy. That is not funny to me. I'm like, that is just dumb. And are you referring
2: to like the moms who are drinking? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. um,
1: oh, mom, you know, can't can't deal with the toddler today. I'm going to take a drink or whatever. I'm like, that is just Mm -hmm. it just feels rude, to be honest. It just feels rude and not supportive. And it just Mm
2: -hmm. I kind of got on
1: my soapbox there. My apologies. But it just drives me nuts. I'm like, why are those even a thing?
2: No, that's okay. Because I mean, that's sort of why I started the group. And I had mentioned to you even, I was thinking about possibly starting a podcast yeah. about it. Because yeah. I think it's normalized, it's looked at as a reward. Right. And it's not a reward. Right. It's, you know, it's a poison. And are you really helping yourself and your children mm-hmm. um by doing this? But I think it is sort of this culture. Yes. And I think there are a lot of... um women moms kind of suffering and they're at home all day. Do mm-hmm. I think it's very kind of hidden, hidden away. And don't get me wrong, I know we have like an opiate crisis and all that, but right. I think we have this thing we're not talking about. Yes, <laughs> that needs to be talked about. Yeah. So, um and then my okay, so my art stuff, yes. um if anybody wants to come find me on YouTube, it's drier days and that is spelled d r y e r days d a y s art studio um and that's on youtube i think you can just type in drier days and it should come up but the full name is drier days art studio um and then um on instagram i have a drier days as well as just drier days Mm -hmm. on instagram and then you can find me on facebook too the facebook one page for my drier days is mostly just business so it's just kind of like pieces for sale and stuff
1: yep yeah, no, but. that's great. And we'll link to all of that, um, on the website too. So okay. if anyone wasn't able to get some of that written down or has any difficulty finding that, then we'll just have all those links. Um, oh, so fun. it should be pretty easy for, um, listeners to be able to, you know, access that. So, and I yeah. look forward to watching more of your videos and getting a piece of art. <laughs> I've been like looking at them like, oh, which one do I want? So I'm really excited about that because <laughs> they are just so beautiful.
2: So. Well, thank you. I'm making like a bunch right now because I have actually a women's health expo that I'm doing in um, February. Yeah. Uh There's a lot of, there's a whole community of like holistic health here in uh, the greater Cincinnati area. And so there's a Western Ohio women's health expo. um, I do want to mention February 16th in Westchester, Ohio. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, they asked me actually if I would have a booth there so I'm going to be all set up so right now I'm kind of like on overdrive making pieces for that so I might not be posting a whole lot of stuff for sale until that's over because I just posted one the other day Uh that I was going to take with me and someone bought it
1: oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) I "I need to be (laughs) like
2: (laughs) upping my my inventory for the expo and I'm like so um so yeah but I will after that um Thing, I will probably have a lot more up for sale and awesome. ready to go, but yeah. And I do, like I said, I do do custom work too. So, um, you know, if you have colors or an idea of something that you want, um, I'm definitely open to that too. And you can contact me through direct messaging on my drier days, or you can, um, you can send me a message
1: on messenger sometimes on Facebook, but I don't seem to get that. Oh, interesting. As, yeah. you know, Facebook has some um, issues sometimes. Yeah, like honest. if I'm not friends, mm-hmm. if
2: I'm not friends with the person, the message won't show up. Whereas I check my messages on Instagram numerous times a day. Yep.
1: So, yep. yeah, I'm really loving Instagram a lot more than Facebook these days. Although they're oh, uh, Facebook owns Instagram, apparently. Well, that's not they topic, do now. But yeah. yeah, they do. So we'll see how mm-hmm. it goes. Um, but I do think that in a lot of ways, Instagram is just easier to reach people. I know, mm-hmm. even for me, when I'm reaching out to people, it's just an easier way a lot of times. So yes but, well great well thank you so much katherine for thank taking you. The time today and it was great to hear from you and to hear you share your story so um, i just really appreciate it
2: well thank you so much kelly really it's an honor to be asked i listen to podcasts all the time and so does my sister i was like i'm gonna be on one. Oh <laughs> my gosh that's awesome <laughs> so i am just so excited and i and i do want to tell you i think you're doing a great job um I listened to Marnie's, of course, and I have listened to some of the other episodes since then. And I just think you're doing a great job. So thank you for what you're doing, too. Oh,
1: thank you. I really appreciate that feedback.
2: We so. need more positivity yeah, in the world. Yeah, you know?
1: I would absolutely agree with that. And it's just it's really neat to be able to see. Um, and I, quite honestly, I feel quite honored to be able to connect people, um, mm-hmm. you know, with listeners and it's been so fun to hear that feedback that you know a guest maybe even just said like one phrase in there that really caught someone's attention and completely mm-hmm. changed their mindset and that's just been mm-hmm. so cool to see so it's yes. been it's been such a fun process but awesome yes well thank you so much
0: thank you for listening to kelly and the encouragers podcast for all things related to this episode, please go to wwwkellysissoncom backslash podcast, where you can find transcript from today's show and links for today's guest. A special thank you to our producer, Joe Burkett, and our assistant, Carrie, who both helped to make this podcast possible. See you next week for another episode.